Today on First Round KO, I take a look at the FIFA World Cup and what has happened so far. I also discuss the MLB season so far and what teams have been performing or underperforming. And I preview the NBA draft for tomorrow night with my own NBA mock draft. Let's get it. Shock the system. Welcome to the most must-hear WSUW talk show in history. Welcome to First Round KO. I am your host, KO, a.k.a. Howard J. Dingers, a.k.a. Jesus Aguilar Jr., a.k.a. Kyle Olsen, baby! Now let's talk out, knock out some topics. Sorry if I just bursted your eardrums, that's my bad. So we start today on this hump day Wednesday with the FIFA World Cup. The FIFA World Cup has actually been, you know, for, I'm, I'm not a soccer fan, um, football, whatever you want to, whatever you prefer to call it. Um, I'm not a huge football fan, um, but the World Cup has been very entertaining. Um, we, we started last week, Thursday, with, in Russia, because the, the cup is in Russia this year, and it was Russia versus Saudi Arabia, and Russia kicked it off the best way possible for their home country, winning the 5-0 match. Uh, yeah, it was just, it was a fun match. It was a blowout, obviously. 5-0 is a lot. Five goals is a lot for soccer, even if you combine two teams, but five for one team. Um, yeah, it was a great match. Great way to start it off for the home country. We went on to Friday. We had three matches on Friday. Um, Egypt taking on Uruguay, and Uruguay won that, just the 1-0. So, uh that that's just those two the first two matches of the year of the cup just kind of prove the kind of different ends that soccer can have the 5-0 match one team just outright dominating and then you go and you have the comp- the competitive 1-0 match and this <laughs> the the one goal for Uruguay was in the 89th minute and that's that means it's 0-0 for 89 minutes it's competitive it's nail biting towards the end that's a good soccer game right there the next one was Iran versus MAR. <laughs> not really sure who that is. Thanks ESPN for the abbreviation. Um, yeah, uh, Iran won one nothing again. Looks like an overtime goal, ninety plus five. So that again, nail biter through the all the way through. Fantastic, great, great game. And then we go to Portugal and. España and Ronaldo, they tied 3-3. But Ronaldo with a hat trick, what an amazing performance by Ronaldo. I people give me people give me crap because my my two favorite soccer players are Ronaldo and Messi. And they always ask me who I honestly think is better because I'm I'm a Messi guy. Messi's my favorite and they always ask me who's better. And I, I just have to, especially if, like, even before this one, I always leaned Ronaldo because he's just, he's just so good. <laughs> like, Messi, you can't deny Messi's talent and his ability to score goals. But, I mean, just, it's incredible. Like, the Ronaldo's just a hat trick in the first game of the World Cup. It's a good showing. Hopefully it's a sign of things to come. Um, yeah, it, and that was that was the third game of Friday last week. And then we move on to Saturday, where we had four games. And it was France versus Australia. France won that one 2-1. Uh, on, again, that, this is the best thing. If you're, you know, if you're a sports fan who doesn't necessarily need the, the flash and the high scoring of, like, you know, an NBA game, you, you don't want 120 to 115 or, you know, a football game that's 56 to 40. You don't want if you don't want those kind of if you just want to go watch professional athletes at their best and watch good competitive sports. Go watch this World Cup because these games, they're they're all or most of these are close games within a couple goals. A lot of them are ties or you know just one point games. 
one goal games and they're just entertaining and they're, they're nail biting the the intensity builds towards the end of the game they're, it's just fun to watch france beat australia um to kick off saturday two to one and then we had argentina versus iceland and this uh this game as a messy fan <laughs> was very disappointing um messi had a penalty kick towards the end of the game to to win it uh they tied 1-1 and messi had a chance to win it and he missed and uh messi does not he doesn't miss penalty kicks very often um so it was a tough you know it it was a weird two days you know you have ronaldo going off and setting the pace for portugal and the world cup with three with a hat trick three goals for his team and then you have the other side of it messi coming out and missing his game winning kick it's it's tough. It's heartbreaking. It's tough. Messi, Messi. This is the, the one thing that they both need. They both need this World Cup win, and Messi's just coming up short. Hopefully, hopefully he can you know take a step back from that and just say, hey, you know what? I'm fine. I'm still I'm still one of the greatest players in the world. I just need to take a step back, refocus, restart this whole thing, and get it going. Um, so yeah, they tied, and then we had Peru. And Denmark, Denmark won that 1-0 pretty early goal, but still, you know, one going 1-0 late into the game. That's still, you know, you're wanting Peru to come back in that. You're wanting you're wanting to see some competitive. You want to see a comeback, or you want to see, in some cases, which kind of stinks, you know, um, with teams that aren't as experienced or as talented, they get up. I, I'm not exactly sure if this is the case. I'm not saying Denmark's not that good. I'm just. This is just a general statement. You get these in soccer where some of these teams that aren't as talented or aren't as experienced, they go up 1-0, and then they just they, they play very – what's the word I'm looking for? Very uh, – drawing a blank. They're, they're very precautious with the ball for us. They're not playing as aggressively. They're not looking to score again, really. They're playing more defensively. And trying to just keep the ball away from Peru, making sure that they can't come back. Which, and then that kind of takes away some of the action and makes the game not as interesting. Especially if it, you know, if it's that early. This one was fifty, the fifty ninth minute, so it wasn't too early. But you know, th- that can happen a lot, and it does happen a lot, sadly, in soccer. But that's just the whole. That's a whole other thing. So then we have Croatia beating Nigeria, I think. <laughs> again thanks espn for the abbreviations and not the full names that's cool uh croatia won 2-0 and that was that was saturday for soccer and then sunday world cup we had siberia and again they're killing me with this crc i should have a different list up or at least different it's whatever siberia won that 1-0 uh 56 minute again it's, it's these are just entertaining games. And then the big game that everyone is talking about from this past weekend, we had Germany taking on Mexico. Now, these, as my buddy Tom was talking about, um, I don't know if you guys listened uh, Friday or Monday, but Tom was talking about how these two teams are obviously the best two in their group. Mexico is – Germany is the favorite going into this World Cup to come out and win it. They're just a very experienced – I think this team's younger than the last team that won it. But they're still a very experienced team, great coaching. They just play a different brand of soccer that's usually a winning formula for them. But Mexico, as Tom said, is their greatest challenge in this group. So the fact that they lost 1-0 isn't that big a deal. And especially because, like I was talking about earlier, so this goal happened for Mexico in the 35th minute. You, You then have Mexico who knows, okay, we're not as good as the other team, you know, or the other team is experienced and they know what they're doing on the other side. They're going to try to come back. So now they're looking at, okay, we're up early. Now we just got to play keep away. Now we just got to make sure we got to play precautious and make sure that they don't get another goal. I'm not sure I didn't watch the game, but from what I've heard, that's that's how the game worked. I don't know. But it it's huge because Germany, that puts Germany as a, at a disadvantage in this first round, losing the first game. And, like Tom also explained, Germany doesn't need to panic. Germany is fine. They just need to go out and win their next two. Because 
this isn't a 5-0 loss like Saudi Arabia had. This isn't this isn't a blowout. This is a 1-0 loss to their best competition in the group. They're fine. They will be okay. Germany just needs to regroup, win the next two, and they'll be okay. We then had Brazil tying with Switzerland. And, yeah, that wrapped up Sunday. Then we move on to Monday. Monday we had Sweden, and I would be a really big fan of Sweden if Zlatan was playing. <laughs> I'm a very big Zlatan fan. I think he just oozes charisma. He's a very entertaining guy. Um, and he's good. He's just good at soccer. You, we all saw what happened his first game in L.A. It, it was just he had two fantastic goals. He's just entertaining to watch, and he would have made Sweden a must-watch team. He would have made this World Cup a lot more entertaining. But, hey, Sweden, you know what? I think they're a little underrated without him even because they came out and they, they beat Korea 1-0 um, in the first match on Monday morning. And then we had Belgium beating Panama 3-0. Um, and for soccer fans, that's an entertaining game, you know, a, a lot like the Russia game. That's that's a high, quote-unquote, high-scoring game for soccer. Um, so enter, these, all these games are entertaining. Whether you whether you like to see a lot of goals or you like to see close games, all of these games, there's a ge- there's going to be a game for you. Just you, you just got to wake up a little early because they're over in Russia. <laughs> um, and then we had England beating Ton. These abbreviations are killing me. My geography grades are showing. Um, yeah, they beat them 2-1. Close game. And then we move on to Tuesday morning. Tuesday morning we had Japan beating Coal. <laughs> I'm bad with this. I'm sorry, you guys. Um, Japan 2-1, winning that game. And then Russia, Russia again. Going up 2-0, they beat Egypt 3-1, and they are looking good in this first round of the World Cup. And then this morning, we had Portugal, Ronaldo with the only goal, beating Mar. I think I've already seen that one. I still don't know what that is. <clears throat> um, yeah, Ronaldo, he did it again this morning. What a dude. He's just. And then Uruguay, Luis Suarez. With a fantastic goal this morning, um, 23rd minute, beating KSA 1-0. I'm I'm sorry. I'm gonna I'll do some research for next time. D- don't worry. I'll I'll look ahead next time and I'll see. Uh, <laughs> I'll actually learn all the. I'll have more names in front of me. That's my bad. Um, and then so now later today at one. So as soon as my show is done here, um, we got Iran and Espana. There we go. So. Um, that should be an entertaining game. I've, I've, most of these games are going to be entertaining, especially, like I said earlier, if you like close games, if you're a fan of competitive athletes going at it for a full 90 minutes, they're just going to be entertaining and it's going to be fun to watch. So go go check out the World Cup. That's where we are so far. Um, you know, when, when we get closer to the end of the World Cup, when we get further into these rounds, I'm going to have Tom and a couple other my soccer soccer fan buddies on and we're going to we're going to have a huge discussion about it. I'm going to let some actual people who know what they're talking about talk about it. <laughs> um, but I will, I'm will. i going to start watching. I, I need to watch. It, like I said, I'm going to take my own advice. These games are going to be entertaining to watch. Um, so enough about the World Cup. Let's move on to Major League Baseball. Um, the MLB season, we're coming up. I think we're a couple of weeks away now from the All-Star break. So we're coming up on about halfway. I think we might be. Close to halfway already with the records and you know games played. Um, but I'm just gonna go through. I'm just gonna go through the MLB standings right now. I'm gonna look. I already have some notes written down, and I'm just gonna. We're just gonna talk about how. You know the top teams, how they're doing, why they're doing good. Oh, excuse me, and then, and then you know maybe if there's a couple other teams that should be good further down in the in the rankings, we'll we'll talk about that. So we start with the AL East and the New York Yankees in Boston. I don't think we need to talk about any other teams out of this division. New York and Boston have been so entertaining. They've been so, like, obviously New York with their three, you know, they got Aaron Judge, Gary Sanchez, Gary Sanchez and Giancarlo Stanton, which is, he's one of my favorite players. Um, 
as much problem. He's he's part of the problem with baseball nowadays. Too many strikes because they're there are too many strikeouts because they're going for so many home runs. But he hits so many home runs that it's so entertaining to watch. It, I'm so I'm yeah. It's whatever. The Yankees they're 48 and 22, so they're they they have the lead in the East right now. But Boston is only one game behind with a 49 and 25 record. These the, and these two teams, Boston with JD Mar- the JD Martinez pickup this offseason has just been great. Mookie Betts, the, Boston has such a complete team right now. Um, you look at when you look at all these trade rumors and everything that uh, you know uh, upcoming trade deadline rumors. Everyone looks at what teams, what top teams need. As far as like, do they need pitching? Do they need a defense up the middle? That kind of stuff. And everyone talks about the Yankees and like the Brewers and the Houston, how they need better pitching. But you don't hear too much about Boston. Boston's pretty complete. I think they just need to step up their game a little bit. You know, when they face New York, they need to 100% play perfect baseball. And I shouldn't be saying this. I'm a New York fan. I don't like the Red Sox. But they have they have a pretty complete team. If they are able to put things together towards the end of the season and just stay consistent, I think they're going to be just great. Because New York, as, as good as they are and as entertaining as they are to watch, they're reliant on the home run ball right now, and their pitching, their starting pitching hasn't been fantastic. Sunny, the Sunny Gray trade has not panned out for them the way that they wanted it to, um, so they they might fall off. But what I will say, my guarantee for this division is New York and Boston will be close. It will be a, you know, tie it, neck and neck race towards towards October, and I'm I'm guessing whoever doesn't win the AL East will get a wild card win. These two teams have been entertaining throughout this first half of the season, and they will continue to be entertaining through the rest of the season. Um, going on to the Central, <laughs> I was looking at this before the show, and I didn't even write any notes for the AL Central. <laughs> It's kind of funny. These these teams, I don't know. White Sox, I thought, had potential, but they're still a really young rebuilding team. Minnesota made a couple moves this year, and I thought they were going to be a whole lot better, at least competing with Cleveland. Detroit still has it. They're in second place on the Central, but they have a losing record at 36 and 38. And Cleveland's winning the record, or winning the division, 39-33. It's sad because they... You know, they made the series two years ago. They lost after being up 3-0 to the Cubs, or 3-1 to the Cubs. And then they go out and get Edward Encarnacion. And and then they they just kind of fell off. Last year they weren't they weren't as dominant last year. And now this year, you know, they're only six games over five hundred. They're not and I don't know it and it's looking it's the road record really. They need to step it up when they travel. They're sixteen and twenty on the road Cleveland needs to step it up but that whole division they just you know someone needs to start making some moves in that division Kansas City obviously has been trading away some players they let go of Lorenzo Kane this last year um thank god for that as a Brewers fan <laughs> um but yeah AL Central is not doing too good I wouldn't bet on anyone coming out of the Central to go deep into the playoffs um AL West has been very interesting actually because you have um the defending champs in the Houston Astros who are they're doing really great they're doing probably as good as people thought they would um that I think they were on a 12 game winning streak before yesterday which is phenomenal um it's that's hard to do in baseball that's that's basically three series of base three sweeps basically or you know going into actually four four series but so that's just an incredible feat. They're doing great, 49-26. But what's interesting about the West is that they have Seattle on their tail. The Seattle Mariners are only two games behind Houston at 46-27. and 27. They're only, yeah, only two games. Now, they've been great. Seattle has been fantastic on the road at 21-13. and 13. Um, they, They're a surprise team for sure. They, you know, Now they don't have Robbie Cano because he's now had some he had an injury, and now he's. I think he's still serving his suspension for his um, illegal substance suspension. Um, but they still have. They got Gene Segura up the middle, who is fantastic defensively. I remember watching him in Milwaukee, and I believe he's batting a three forty this year, something crazy like that. He he's got a good average. Um, 
and yeah, their pitching has been really good too. The, the Seattle, they're not too great at getting runs, but they've they've been getting enough run support where their pitching their pitching keeps them in games. Um, so yeah, Seattle's been the surprise of the year, I think, for baseball. Um, ooh, we'll say the surprise of the year for the American League. We'll say that. Um, so staying in the West, real quick, too, the LA Angels. I'll come back to them towards the end of the show because I have that's part of my one last thing. But um, the LA Angels should be a lot better, and and not just necessarily they have a lot of talent on their team, but I think they have they have such a star in Mike Trout that they need to be surrounding him with more talent with more stars. Um, they I think they're letting him down. They the Angels are gonna. It's a lot like the Aaron Rodgers. I think with the Aaron Rodgers situation in Green Bay. I think now that they've started to realize they're surrounding him with more talent, going and get Jimmy Graham and that kind of stuff. But I think the Angels need to start putting more talent around Mike Trout. Obviously, they went and got Otani. That's starting to not work out too well. Hopefully, Otani can stay healthy. Hopefully, he can get healthy, first of all, and come back to the Angels. And then hopefully, he can stay healthy. And then the, the Angels just need to go. They need to be aggressive in free agency. They need to go get more offense they need to go get more pitching um I mean they're in third place they're at 39 35 but I, again that's because Mike Trout's just that good Mike Trout's just been carrying that team um I hope I hope that they can continue or that they can get better and I hope Mike Trout gets what get what's he what he deserves wow okay so enough of the American League we'll move on to the NL the National League so we start in the east in Atlanta, I like I, I I stuttered when I said that um that Seattle was the surprise of the of Major League Baseball because I think Atlanta's the surprise. They're a very very young team, and they got this dude. I can't remember his name, but um he he came up and he was just hitting bombs. He he's hitting fantastic. I think he's the he's either shortstop or second base. They're both young, both players at short and second. Um, very young, very hungry talent, um, but they both have had injury problems going through this season. Now, so Atlanta, they have a three-and-a-half game lead on Washington. Washington's kind of the same deal. I think Bryce Harper, as Bryce Harper's very good. There's debates whether or not he's a winning player. I'm not going to get into that today. I'll talk about that at some other time. Um, but they're only 39-32. and 32. Washington, I think they have a lot of talent. I think they have too much talent to be in second place in the East right now. I think they need to be a lot better as a baseball team. They have way too much talent to only be seven games above 500. But Atlanta, the question for Atlanta is, can their young core stay healthy? Can their young core be able to play as many games as possible together and stay healthy towards the end of the season where they can hold the lead against Washington and you know win the east going into the playoffs and then a young team like that with a lot of energy they can make some noise in the playoffs if if you have a young hungry team they can definitely make some noise in the playoffs especially in the national league um we'll talk about the central last just because i know the most about the central <laughs> weird it's almost like my team's in the central so the west the national league west we have arizona and la dodgers Fighting for the <clears throat> fighting for the number one position in the in the West, um, the Dodgers are game and a half back of Arizona. Arizona at forty and thirty three. They're split at home. That's Arizona's. You know they could they could be a better team right now. They they both should be a lot better. I have written in my notes. They both of these teams have the talent. You know, much like Washington, they have the talent to be a lot better. But both of their road records they're terrible like their home records are really good at 23 and 16 and then 20 and 19 um but then you know Arizona's 500 at on the road they're 17 and 17 and then LA is 18 and 15 they both they both need to figure out how to travel they both can't they they can't just you can't in the major league baseball you can't attempt to be a good team like a good playoff team you need to without winning you can't just be comfortable in your own stadium you have to be able to travel, go to other stadiums, and be able to take home home field from them. You have to take series in other people's ballparks. You can't you can't just win at home. Like obviously, it's easy to win at home, 
most teams have winning records unless you're San Diego or Cincinnati at home or Colorado. Wow, Colorado's not doing Colorado. Holy crap. They Colorado, this is kind of interesting. For a hitter's ballpark, and they have a lot of hitters on that team. They are 20 no, they're 12 and 20 at home. That's bad. But Colorado is 23 and 18 on the road. <laughs> That's interesting. For a team that has as many good hitters as Colorado and a hitter's ballpark like that, you know, the atmosphere in Colorado, balls travel a lot farther and a lot faster. You would think that that team would be better at home. That's super interesting. Back to LA and Arizona, though. These teams need to step it up. You know, in Arizona now, he apparently they're in the running. They're going to try hard to get Manny Machado, which would be a fantastic upgrade. He would help that a lot. He would definitely help the road because it, he's he's just used to a lot of he's used to more ballparks than a lot of these young Arizona dudes. But I think Arizona has the pitching in place with Zach Greinke as their centerpiece, and they just they have a lot of good players to. To, they they have a lot of good players. They have the talent as as well as L.A. and Washington. They have the talent to be better. So it's just it's not good to see them only seven and four games ahead or above five hundred. They they're better than that. And so and it, and if you are those two teams and you don't finish as good as you want want to towards this end of the season, if you don't improve, you start to look at management. You kind of have to, it, you know, it's it's silly to sit here and think that, you know, a team with a winning record has to look at management. But when you have that kind of, especially in Washington, when you have that kind of talent, um, you got to figure out how to put it all together and win games. And end of the, end of the conversation with that. Um, the NL Central. Obviously, my Milwaukee Brewers are in the NL Central. So I have been following this division very closely, and I am happy to report that as of today, the Brewers have the lead over the Chicago Cubs in the Central only by half a game, and I we took it back after yesterday. Um, yeah, <laughs> the Brewers are forty three and thirty, which is awesome. Thirteen games above five hundred. I love that. It just it makes me real happy to read that. <laughs> it just makes me real happy to see them, but. They've been slipping lately. They're five and five. They're five and five in the last ten games, but you know they they've been pretty consistent, uh, home and away. They're twenty one and fourteen at home at Miller Park, and then twenty two and sixteen on the road. So they're very. Con- it's not like it's not like Colorado where they're terrible in one place and really good in one. You know you have to be able to travel, like I'm talking about with Arizona and L.A. You have to be able to travel, go places, and Milwaukee's been able to do that. Um, similar records home and away uh same with the cubs the cubs are doing great they're also five and five recently um and their home home record is 20 and 14 and then their away is 21 and 15 very similar to the brewers you know these are two very similar teams the only difference is um pitching which is strange because chicago's starters are doing really good but their bullpen has been lacking the brewers starters have been lacking but their bullpen has been fantastic oh i i love the milwaukee bullpen right now um and it's only going to get better as the season goes on and so so it's going to be interesting coming up trade deadline wise what each team does the chicago cubs you know i keep hearing rumors that they're trying to get more position players i don't think they need it though i think their offense and their lineup and their defense are pretty set in the way that they are, they got Javi Baez, who's fantastic at second. Bryant and Rizzo in their corners. They're going to be good there. And, and uh, Russell is a very good shortstop. He's very underrated at shortstop. I like him as a talent. Um, he's going to be fine. And their outfield, they've got a lot of different moving pieces in the outfield. The, I think the Cubs need to focus on their bullpen because their starters are so good, but their bullpen comes in and loses a lot of games. Um, so Chicago need, that's where Chicago needs to focus. Milwaukee needs to go get a starting pitcher. I hope they keep Freddie Peralta up. They um, they called Freddie Peralta back up from AAA yesterday, and 
they sent down, I think it was Boone Logan to AAA. I'm not exactly sure. But they calling Freddie Peralta up is going to be a big move, and I hope that they keep him up because his first game, I believe he no-hit through six innings, which is great for his rookie debut. I think that was on Mother's Day too. It was on some sort of, I don't remember. It was a big day, some holiday. Um, but then they sent him right back down. Um, I didn't like that move at all. I thought you have this young pitcher who just did really good in his debut. Why not keep him in this you know shaky rotation? Um, so so yesterday when I saw that they called him back up and they brought or and they put him back in the rotation that he was going to start yesterday, I was very excited to see that. And you know again he he proved me right. He proved me and Kyle right. This dude is a baller. He pitched six innings. He only allowed two hits. He had seven strikeouts, no no earned runs. He shut them. He shut out Pittsburgh. We're in Pittsburgh right now. Yeah, it was just a great game. Um, it, and Freddie Freddie Peralta, I think he's a baller. I hope we keep him in the rotation right now. So that's what the Brewers need to do, though. We, they keep Freddie Peralta in the rotation. I'm not exactly sure who we move out. It's either it's either going to be Davies has been hurt. We haven't seen him in about 20 days now uh he got sent to the dl on june 1st um i and honestly once he comes back we might just keep him in triple a it's sad to say i like zach davies a lot he's got a lot of potential and he's got really good location but for some reason this year it hasn't been working for him either him or chase anderson we need to i think option down to triple a and we need to go get a starting pitcher we need to go get a chris archer if he's healthy we need to go get Someone from San Diego, I know they have a plethora of pitchers that they're probably going to try to ship out. Yeah, we, we just need to go trade, or even Syndergaard, or was it Syndergaard that they're, someone from the Mets that they're trying to ship out. The Brewers just need to go get a starting pitcher because if we have, you know, if Peralta can stay dominating in his rookie year, if Junior Guerrero and Yolis Chassin can stay consistent through this season because they've started off really well, um, and then if we can go get someone who who can be a solid guy in the rotation, that helps out. That that strengthens the rotation and it helps out the bullpen so that they don't have to always come in, and you know they they can still come in and dominate, but they don't have to come in as much, and that's going to help tremendously because if you give this bullpen rest <laughs> and give them you know time to rest and so that they don't have to pitch as much, they're going to be even more dominant than they already are. Um, but yeah, so right now, I still have uh, Houston's my my favorite to come out of the American League. Um, like I said, New York, New York's a little too dependent on the home run. Their their uh, pitching hasn't been great, and they strike out a little too much. So I don't I don't see New York getting there this year. Boston very well could, but they haven't been putting it together yet. So as of right now, I see Houston, you know, staying consistent getting back the defending champs getting back to the world series but but watch seattle in that same division i think seattle's putting something special together um but yeah i i have houston i have houston as a lock out of the al so then the only question is who wins the nlcs who wins the national league championship series now this is interesting because obviously i want to say milwaukee <laughs> i'm a little biased I'm a, I'm a tad bit biased towards the Milwaukee Brewers. But when you look at it logically, the Braves are very young, and I don't know if they can stay healthy. If they can, they're a very good team who can who can make a run. They can make some noise. You know, like I said, young energy is going to play a big factor in the postseason. And if they can beat out Washington and miss the wild card, because right now um, Chicago – yeah, Chicago. It looks like duh, 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 duh. I'm just doing this mental math in my head. It looks like it would be Chicago and Washington in the playoff, in the wild card playoff. Um, so you know, I would, I would, if I was Atlanta, I would want to win that East and avoid the wild card because a young team in a one game wild card may not pan out. So I would want to see. I would want a full series where the team can get used to it and try to. You know, try to get into the postseason swing of things within a cup. Because if you play a veteran team like the Chicago Cubs and Joe Madden, 
that young team is they're going to get outshone and they're going to get bounced in one game. So if I'm Atlanta, I want to keep that lead on Washington. I want this young core to stay healthy. Um, I really do believe like Arizona's a good pick to come out of NL two, but I really <laughs> I'm gonna say it because I really think Milwaukee after this off season I think they're really gearing towards this is the time and this is this is when we need to do it. I think they're gonna be aggressive before the trade deadline. I believe that they're gonna go get a starting pitcher a good starting pitcher. It's going to add to our rotation. I think Freddie Peralta is going to be fantastic. And I think this offense stays. I think this, oh man, <laughs> I'm going to say it. You know what? Houston versus Milwaukee. That's my world series. Put lock it down. I'm putting my money on it right now. Houston versus the Brewers, the Astros Brewers. I think that's going to be our World Series game. I really do think this Milwaukee team will stay consistent. They have the veteran leadership of Lorenzo Cain. Now they have Christian Yelich who carries himself like a veteran. And, yeah, I I think this offense is just good enough. Jesus Aguilar has been fantastic lately. He had all three RBIs in the win last night. So, And I like that they're throwing Eric Thames in the outfielder mix and the first baseman fix so that we still get Jesus Aguilar at first. We still get Braun and Yelich in left and right, but we also have Thames in left and right now, too. Kind of stinks for Domingo Santana, but he hasn't been doing great this year, which, because he hasn't been playing. That's a whole other story. I, I'm i locking it in. Brewers, Astros, World Series. How do you like that? Oh, boy. That's going to come back to bite me, probably. Okay. Moving on from Major League Baseball, we now go into... NBA. Tomorrow night, we have the NBA draft. Um, the 2018 NBA draft coverage starts at 7 Eastern, so 6 here, 6 Central. Um, it's in New York. It's going to be on ESPN. I'm definitely going to watch because there's a there's a decent amount of talent in this draft. A lot of young talent, a lot of one-and-dones, um, which I don't, I'm not a huge fan of at all. But I, th- I think this draft is going to be something special. I really do. Um, I think a, lot, a couple of these players have potential to be big stars. Um, but, yeah, let's go in. So I'm going to give my NBA mock draft. I just want to start off by saying I got to give props to – obviously this is their job, so they get to spend a lot more time on it than I do. <laughs> but I got to give props to anyone who does a mock draft because I went through and I only did – I only did 10 picks, 11 picks, you'll see. But because it's hard, especially the top 10, you know, I kind of, I knew about, you know, I I know about 15 of these players, um, the top 10, and then a couple outside the top 10. But it's really hard to go through all 30 teams and to know what their needs are, how ready they are, how willing they are to jump for, you know, leap for a player who may not be as NBA ready, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot that goes into this. So doing 30 picks, I, I can't. And some people do like a couple different, mock, like four mock, five, eight mock drafts. It, it's crazy. I uh, Props to them, whoever does them. It, it's very difficult, but they have a lot more time than I do. <laughs> I have I have another job. This isn't my job. So, uh it's whatever. So here's my NBA mock draft. The, uh, the first pick is Phoenix. Now, here's the way I looked at it. Uh, the, the Phoenix Suns have a good young tandem in Josh Jackson and Devin Booker. So I wouldn't mess around with anyone small, especially at this first pick, because the best three players – yeah, I would, I would argue that the best three players in this draft are, are big guys. You know, I – Dantich, he's a question mark because we have we didn't see him in college. He played overseas. Luka Dantich, he he's interesting, but I'll get to him later. I think the best three players in this draft are big guys. So and so yeah, it, for Phoenix, you're definitely looking at a big guy, and you're looking at what you want as a team. Now, if I'm Phoenix, you have Devin Booker, who's a fantastic scorer. And he's not too bad on the defensive side. He just lacks a little size. Then you have Josh Jackson, also lacking a little size. I think he's 6'6". 
but you know in the NBA that's kind of lacking. Um, but he's quick. He's very good at finish. He he's got a good finish, and he's very good defensively. So you have a good mix there at the one and two. If I'm Phoenix, I'm gonna look at a big man who can score, and who's the most NBA ready right now to mesh with Devin Booker and Josh Jackson. And I believe that the best big man who is the most NBA ready and who I think Phoenix should pick number one tomorrow night is Marvin Bagley Jr. out of Duke. This dude, anyone coached by Coach K is going to be NBA ready. They probably tell him early on in the season, hey, I'm probably only going to stay one year. Can you kind of prep me for the NBA? Can Can you get me ready for that kind of environment? And I'm sure he helps them. He wants his players to have the best future outside of Duke. So I believe Marvin Bagley is the he he performed in the tournament. I think he's the most uh, well-rounded offensive player, big guy uh, out of the top three, and I think he's the most NBA ready. I think he is the perfect fit for Phoenix. Obviously, they need a big guy, but I think Marvin Bagley is if you and he's he's going to be popular too. He's going to put he's going to put butts in seats. He's going to sell jerseys. He's going to be good for the organization. I really think, and then him and him and Booker, I, I I really believe that they can they can put something special together. They can be a young, even though they're in the West, it's going to be difficult. But if they can stay together long enough, a couple you know Warriors might fall off. Houston might. I think I think I think they can start putting something special together in Phoenix with Marvin Bagley Jr. and Devin Booker and Josh Jackson. Um, that's a good young core. So then number two, Sacramento Kings. <sighs> Sacramento, they're interesting because they aren't that close to anything right now. And they also, they have a couple big guys. They had Zebo last year, but I don't know if they kept him. Um, but I know they had, they drafted Willie Colley-Stein. Was that last year? No, I think that was two years ago now. Um, but he So they have a young big guy. But if I'm Sacramento, I'm looking at the best available player. Because you're not really close to anything, so you wanna you wanna find a a young talented dude who you can you know have on your team this year, get some NBA experience, so that next year when you probably get another top five pick, you can go out and get someone else who compliments him if he pans out. So so you're not necessarily looking at NBA ready right here, which is why I pick for if I'm Sacramento number two, I'm picking DeAndre Ayton. I don't believe that DeAndre Ayton is NBA ready right now. Like, I don't think you can put him in an NBA game and he's going, I don't think, I think it's going to take him at least like half a season to get into the pace of it, to get, to get a feel for it, especially because he didn't, he didn't perform well in there. I think I'm pretty sure Arizona got bounced in the first round in the round of 64. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, and he didn't perform too well. So that's kind of where I'm coming from it's hard but I yeah I I'm gonna stick with it DeAndre Ayton I don't think he's NBA ready so putting him on a team like Sacramento where there's no expectations to win right now he can go in and he can focus on developing himself as a player and they can develop develop him and then try to maybe build a young core around him like they are doing in Phoenix yeah I think that's the best pick Atlanta is kind of the uh, the Atlanta Hawks have the number three pick. I have the, I think they have the same mindset as Sacramento. They're not incredibly close. I'm, I believe Dennis Schroeder is leaving now. Um, he's either leaving or he's asking for a trade. So he's going to be out of Atlanta. Atlanta's not going to be too great. And Atlanta always – here's where it gets interesting because Atlanta does like international players. So they might look at Doncic, especially if he drops the three, which I think he will drop the three, I think. Bagley and Aiton will go number one and two either way, however that works. But if I'm Atlanta, I'm going to go the same way as Sacramento. I'm going to say that they're going to look at ta- the, the best available player and not worry about their needs necessarily. So I'm going to go with Mohamed Bamba. I think Mobamba is a fantastic big guy. He's going to change. He's going to be a he's going to be a good centerpiece, a good center for a lot of for whatever team he ends on he, or ends up on. He's going to be great. He's he's very well sound. He's seven one. Dude's crazy tall. He's got a really long wingspan. I, oh, 
I want to say it's close. I think it's like 7'11", 7'10", wingspan. Dude, it's almost eight feet. So he's going to be a menace on the defensive glass. He's going to be blocking. He's going to be rebounding everything that comes his way. And if he polishes that, his offense isn't terrible either. Um, you, I, I almost want to say that his offense is a is more NBA ready than Aiton. Um, but, but Aiton's Aiton. I think once he gets NBA ready, he'll probably be a better offensive player than Bamba, which is why I would take him before. Which is why I would take Aiton two and Bamba three. But I think I think Bamba's going to be a really good centerpiece for whoever takes him so i with atlanta number three pick i take mo bamba and then you get to memphis um memphis memphis is interesting because you have mike Connolly, who you're paying a lot of money to he's a great point guard he's reliable he's very good defensively and then you have mark gasol same thing veteran big contract very good offensively to mark gasol is one of the best offensive big men I've ever seen. Dude's incredible. So I'm I'm guessing they're going to keep Conley. He seems to be their guy. I wouldn't be surprised if they shipped Mark Gasol. But at this point, I'd say it's too early to take another big guy in the draft. I think, you know, it's the top three are gone. And I don't know if I would want to jump to Jaron Jackson or Wendell Carter at four. So for Memphis, I'm going to take the risk because we still have you still have Conley and Gasol. You know, if if this doesn't work out, you can ship Gasol and get some other pieces. But I think Memphis takes Luka Doncic from Real Madrid at number four. I think he has the most upside because if he does pan out to be NBA ready and does pan out to be the talent that we all think he is, he's going to be fantastic. At six seven. He's a very he's he's a very well sized guard, um, very good offensive game. I think he could be good for them, but I think he's he's a very risky pick, which is why I think he drops to number four um, to Memphis. I think it's a good pick in the middle. They don't need a big man. They don't need a point guard. I think it's good to go get a shooting guard, small forward, um, in Luka Doncic. Dallas, Dallas is kind of the same way, although I don't. I'm trying to think of who they even have at point guard. <laughs> Dallas has not been the best team lately, but they have I Dallas has always been when I think of Dallas, obviously you think of Dirk Nowitzki. But you also I also think in the past couple of years they've had some pretty solid threes and fours. Um I think they value that position a lot and I think if you can get a good talent at that position, you can definitely build around them pretty easily. You can go get some guards who aren't necessarily needing to you know they don't need the ball as much you can so I think with Dirk I don't know what Dirk's gonna do if he stays this would be really good for this pick because then he can mentor him I think at number five Dallas takes Mikel Bridges out of Villanova I think Bridges is gonna be a really good small forward in the NBA he's I think he's gonna be very good defensively and offensively he's gonna be one of those two-way players I don't think he's gonna be as good as Kawhi Leonard I, I doubt it. Kawhi's a once-in-a-lifetime athlete, but he can be something like Kawhi Leonard. He, he's going to be very good on both sides of the ball. So I think if Dirk stays, he can kind of mentor Mikel Bridges, kind of get him in the NBA-ready mindset. I think Dallas takes him at number five. Number six, Orlando. They need to go keep uh, Aaron Gordon, and if they can do that, they have Eric Gordon. And they have this other dude that they drafted last year, and I don't remember his name now, and it's going to kill me. But he's good. He's a shooter. Yeah, that's going to kill Isaac. His last name is Isaac. But, yeah, I think Orlando needs a big guy right now. They Ever since they lost – or, no, they still have Vucevic. But still, I think Vucevic can play four or five, and I think this guy at number six, I think Orlando picks Jaron Jackson Jr., out of Michigan State because he can also play the four or five. So you can you can just put in Vucevic and Jaron Jackson, and then they can just they can play both the four and five at the same time. I think he'd be a very good addition to that Aaron Gordon Vucevic combination, and that and then that just creates a big a big team, a big roster. And I I think that's it's the best pick 
for Orlando. I think he's probably one of the best fits too because he's very like like Vucevic. He's more er, unlike Vucevic. Excuse me. He's more defensive minded than offensive. So it, I think he's a, I think he's a very good pairing with Vucevic and Orlando. Um, at number seven, we got Chicago. I think they take Wendell Carter Jr. I think Wendell Carter out of Duke. He's a good big man. You obviously. You don't want to take a point guard because they've invested a lot into Zach Levine. Hopefully he can stay healthy. And now they have – I can't think of his name either. Really tall foreign dude who is really good at shooting. I think he broke one of Curry's threes record this year. I don't remember. He's fantastic too. So I think if you're Chicago, you need to go get a big man because you haven't had a good big man since Joakim Noah. So I believe they need to go get – uh, Wendell Carter Jr. out of Duke. He's going to be a good center at 6'10". He's going to be solid. He's defensive. And because he's from Duke, he's going to be NBA ready. Chicago doesn't necessarily need someone who's NBA ready, but it's going to help, especially with a younger core like Markkanen, Laurie Markkanen. Ah, I'm really happy that I just remembered that. With Laurie Markkanen and Zach Levine, he doesn't necessarily need to be NBA ready because those two are also young, but it'll help. It'll help that young core. I think it'll be good for them. Chicago takes Wendell Carter. Cleveland, and yes, yes, Michael Porter Jr. is still in the car, in the on the board because I believe he's going to drop down. There's been some issues with Michael Porter. Um, there's you know, like he only played a couple games. There's not a big sample size to see what he did in college. I think he's going to be fantastic, but that's the reason he drops down so far. I think Cleveland takes him at eight. Because it's that's a perfect pick for Cleveland. If it, because if LeBron stays, you have a good young piece to play with in Michael Porter Jr. But if LeBron leaves, you have a new star to build your team around in Michael Porter Jr. You have a, he's gonna be he's gonna play for a long time. He's gonna be he's gonna be a really good player. I I think he has a he has more the risk the risk and reward are there, which is why he. That's why he falls down so far, but I think it's worth it because I think he, I, I think the upside is going to outweigh the downside. I really do. I think Michael Porter is going to be really good, which, and I I believe that LeBron's leaving, so I think this is the safest pick for Cleveland because he obviously no one can replace LeBron James. Let's get that out of the way, but I think he's a good fit in Cleveland. To he's a good piece to now with a LeBronless team to build to now build your team around. I think Michael Porter goes at eight to Cleveland. And number nine in New York, joining up with uh, Porzingis in, in, with the Knicks, I think they take Trey Young. And I think that's going to be an explosive offense with Trey Young. And he's going to be, he's going to learn a lot from Porzingis. He's going to love playing with Porzingis. He's going to love New York. And I think they're going to start building something special there. I think this is where they turn it around. When they take Trey Young, he's going to he's going to put butts in seats. He's going to sell jerseys, and I think he's going to be a really well, good player with Porzingis. Number ten, Philadelphia. Obviously, Markel Fultz has not been working out. It hasn't worked out in this in his first year. Too injury prone. His shot is very inconsistent, so inconsistent. If you haven't seen it, go look up this video of Markel Fultz shooting in practice. Every shot he shoots is different, and he misses all of them, a couple, a couple air balls. It's terrible. Markel Fultz is a bust. I will say that right now. He's not. If he is good, he'll be a decent piece at shooting guard coming off the bench. I think Philadelphia needs to go get a point guard, even though Ben Simmons, I, I think they can run a good kind of two-point guard system with Ben Simmons, even though Ben Simmons is basically a center I think he he brings up the ball a lot but I think he shares the ball with Colin Sexton who I think is such a good player he's fantastic he's young but he can learn a lot from Joel Embiid JJ Redick obviously who's veteran he can teach he can teach him a lot and Ben Simmons I think they're they'd be very good for a young player like Colin Sexton who's coming out only after only one year of college I think that's a perfect fit for Philadelphia because then Ben Simmons doesn't have to. He can play off the ball more with Colin Sexton being a, a very good pass first point. I don't think he's necessarily pass first. He, he passes, and especially on this team, he's going to pass more than he's going to shoot. Um, yeah, I think he's a, I think Colin Sexton's a perfect fit for 
Philadelphia. And so before I said I was doing my 11 picks <laughs> because I did my top 10 and then I realized, well, Milwaukee's not in the top 10. I have to do a pick for Milwaukee. And I think the Milwaukee Bucks at number 17 will pick, if he falls, and I think he will, Dante DiVincenzo out of Villanova. I think DiVincenzo is a perfect fit for Milwaukee. He's a scrappy player. He can come off the bench like he did at Villanova, and he can he can just he, he's good to offensively and defensively. He's gonna and he adds that three point shot off the bench for Milwaukee. He adds scoring off the bench for Milwaukee, and he adds the scrappy nature that kind of you know he's got like the deli feel almost to him, but he's got an offensive game, and I think he'd be a really good piece for Mike Budenholzer to work with, especially a young piece like him and DJ Wilson. He can fit him our draft pick last year he can fit him more into the rotation um and I think Dante DiVincenzo with his three-point ability and his defensive ability off of the bench would be a perfect fit for this for the new head coach Mike Budenholzer I think he would know how to use him perfectly and yeah he would just be a great fit for Milwaukee and Milwaukee fans will fall in love with him instantly so yeah that's my mock draft my top 10 mock draft top 11 um, like I said, it's really hard to do a mock draft um, past ten. I, I really tried past that, but I, you know, as I ca- as you keep going, I lost. I don't know as many players anymore. I, you know, I didn't know as many players as I do or as I used to. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it just gets hard because you know, and then you get to these teams who are already decent, so you don't really know how much they're willing to risk, what they actually need. You know, it's easy to kind of look at these, the top 10 teams, because you you kind of can see where their needs are and why they aren't doing so good. So that's that's the whole reason I did top 10. You know, as I get more into this and I get more time on my hands, um, I can probably, like for the, I don't know what the next draft would even be. There won't be another draft for a while now, but you know, I'd probably dive more into it as I get more experienced into this. So, uh, yeah. Um, one last thing before we sign off here today, my one last thing today is back to Mike Trout and the angels. I believe Mike Trout is the best player in MLB today. I think he is the best player in major league baseball. And here is why. Um, recently, if you look at his stats in June, Mike Trout is hitting a four, four, eight batting average. It, and oh, that's just crazy. Over his last eight games, he's 696, which that's freaking fantastic, which means, yes, in his last eight games, Mike Trout has been on base out of his 36 plate appearances. Plate appearances. 36 plate appearances, he has been on base 28 times. That means only eight times in his last eight games has he not been on base. That's one time a game. That's ridiculous. Those are ridiculous stats. And listen to this one. So Chris Davis over, I believe they're talking about Chris Davis over on uh, Baltimore. If Mike Trout were to go 0 for 400 at his next 400 at-bats, 0 for 400, he would still have a higher OPS than what Chris Davis currently has right now. Chris Davis has a 4 Four five four OPS. If Mike Trout goes over four hundred, four hundred, he would still have an OPS of four seven six. That's ridiculous. Mike Trout just he puts up ridiculous numbers. I it's just crazy. I I love it. He, his projections. He's on pace this season. If he keeps up his pace right now, he would. Ha- he's on pace for one hundred and eighty eight hits. 140 walks, 92 extra base hits, 50 home runs, 131 runs, 105 RBIs. If you go at 100 home runs and 100 RBIs, fantastic. 28 steals, almost 30-30. I think he'll probably get. I think he'll get more than 30. And right now he has a he has a batting average of 335, and that's very solid. I think a solid batting average right now is about 300. So 335 is great. I think Mike Trout is the best player in major league baseball today. I think the angels need to capitalize on his, on his talent. 
But uh, that's it for me today, guys. Thank you all. Thank you, everyone, for listening. My show is live every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from noon to 1 on WSUW 91.7 The Edge. Um, I will record every show and make it available to listen via podcast on YouTube. Just search First Round KO. Subscribe and shoot me a comment. Let me know you're listening. Um, Yeah, remember, you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. So go shoot your shot. See you Friday. Sitting on the dock, and I'm a real adent. Begger, begging, please don't make me feel this again. Things are getting eerie like the lake is down in Michigan. Had a good year, kind of tired. Where the Michelin at the finish line? Go get the checkered flag.